This is not your average musician podcast with me, Isaac Hernandez, and my co-host Dalton McLaughlin. What's going on, bro? Not much. Just, <laughs> just, deal, just dealing with the laptop issues. Nothing new here. Yeah, that's why we prep with time, though. We have we have time to spare, and it's just it's just a reset. That you know, technology gets wacky sometimes, but. The key is to remain patient. If you start getting mad at the devices, oh, I get, I get, I get mad. Yeah, it's it's all downhill from there. I felt it in your text messages. Like, yo, this is some wonky shit, man. I'm like, oh no, I'm losing them. I'm losing them. But we're here. We're good to go. I'm getting better, I think. Mm -hmm. Maybe. So, why don't you tell everyone what the topic of the day is? So we start. I would love to tell us what we're talking about today so the guy danny am i saying his last name right lamanga lamanga it's one of those two and we will clarify because i've only ever called him danny okay well we'll ask him because i feel like i probably butchered that benny who he's he's a badass drummer uh he also does brazilian jiu-jitsu so what we kind of wanted to talk about a little bit is Sports for musicians, uh, what, what Isaac and I do, what I do. Um, yeah, Isaac's strong. I'm, I'm a bitch. I'm not strong. <laughs> but um, the, you're, you're, you're way better at guitar than me. So it's, it's, I feel like it's a balance. I chose to focus on other activities. And you just chose to focus on one thing. I think there's a strong argument for that. Okay. <laughs> I'm just trying, I'm I'm just just trying a, to help. I'm, yeah, you're trying to make me feel better. <laughs> no, I, I mean it, though. That's, I mean, that's the truth, though, you know? Right. Um, any, any, anyways, do you want me to, to give my, my spiel? Yes, I do. All right. So I, and it's funny that we're talking about this because I'm wearing, I'm wearing my ass shirt again because hockey's back. The playoffs start Saturday. Uh, there's going to be five televised games like a day starting with the playoffs. How exciting. So yeah. Goodbye schoolwork. Goodbye golf. Goodbye practice. Goodbye Star Wars video games. It is hockey time. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, for me, like lots of the friends I have in California, not New York, New York, all my friends are music people. Uh, but here, all, all my long-term friends I've kept except for my friend that's a music friend who doesn't do music anymore is I probably am friends with them because I like sports, which is like a normal guy thing. Like I guarantee you if I just like guitar, all these people that I'm friends with, I wouldn't be friends with. Cause I, I'm a huge fan hockey, uh, baseball. Uh, I'll watch football. I don't really have a team, uh, but football's fun. But like, that's why I have like friends that, don't talk about guitar strings all the time <laughs> um but anyway so like playing sports like i played baseball until i was till high school so 14 it's like you had majors which was 12 it's the small diamond 60 feet and then the bigger one which is the like mlb size the 90 foot bases i played on for two seasons like 13 14 and then high school i just I just knew I'm like, I'm not good. Uh, 
so then I was still kind of like, ah, I should play a sport. I ran cross country for a year. And then after that, I'm just like, that's dumb. Cause that's like kind of where the kids that aren't good at sports go. And then there's some kids, like one of my friends ran like a 518 mile, which is really fast. And I can't do that. Wow. Like, I think I broke six minutes and that was a big deal for me, which that's not very good. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. I said 518. I think he got like 418. Okay. Yeah, it was like something like ridiculously fast. It was for something, anyways, like fast. Yeah. And I'm just like, bro, I'm I'm running like a six minute mile, and that's my best. Like I suck. Six minute mile is still. I mean, I guess in competitive uh, athletics, it's not good, but yeah, for regular people get pumped about running ten minute miles. I guess. I guess that's true. I mean, you've seen those Facebook Facebook posts, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I have. (laughs) yeah i'll finish my rant but yeah but then like baseball like i i started going the nails not that i knew how to file them properly back when i was 13 14 but i had the nails uh and like dude that's when i just knew that like sports i was just like dude i get like third in it from baseball and you know i played i played catcher because i pretended that i was playing goalie for hockey I could I could throw the ball worth a shit, but when like pitchers threw it in the dirt all the time, I could block the ball for days. But yeah, like there was a couple times like I jammed my thumb or my palm, and then it made playing instruments harder. Uh, I was working a summer camp at Manhattan School of Music, and I threw a football for the first time in years, and I jammed my index finger, and it was like all bloody, and like my nails really strong, so my nail didn't break. But then I had to play like without that finger. It's not like a pick. I have to use my fingers. So then, yeah, so sports. So yeah, pretty much I can't do sports. I tried to do the weightlifting thing a couple times, but you know, that takes a lot of work. And you know, I, I could finally do the big boy bench press, the big plates, the 35 or 45, yeah. 135. I could do it like three times. That's where I peaked. That's, that's pretty good. Not really. <laughs> but you're, no, because how, how much do you weigh? Like 140. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. How tall are you? Five foot eight. Dude, that's uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good that's a good bench press. Yeah, I always joke I'm a flaquito. Yeah, but the the bench press is my weakest uh, lift, I think. Yeah, but other than that, yeah, weights are fine. Uh, I, there's some guitars that I like that are like jacked yeah uh, you could always if you're worried about your you don't you're not going to ruin the dexterity of your hands if you lift weights because like the way your calluses get on your hand you can still move your fingers yeah uh, if you really want to you can wear gloves so you're fine if you like play an instrument yeah you can lift weights you'll be fine uh, you can play golf that's for damn sure because like you can be so out of shape and play golf so. you heard of people golf is good to go have yeah, at just, it. <laughs> just don't throw out your back. Is that a thing with golf? Yeah, you can hurt your back playing. Tiger Woods had back surgery. That's why he stopped for a few years. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. I'm lear- learning so much about this sport that yeah. was obscure to me. Yeah, like if I like really, 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 really shank a shot, like usually with the driver, like I hit the ground first and the driver, you're not supposed to hit the ground. Mm-hmm. 
with the other clubs you do hit the ground like the irons but if I like mess up a drive shot like my back hurts but I've gotten better because I've kind of like learned what not to do yeah so but yeah you can play golf and at least for me if I mess up my uh my nails dig into my hands on my right hand I guess I could wear a golf glove on both hands (laughs) dude it hurts it does not feel good I believe I believe Um, you um, anywho uh that's that's my rant is that yeah sports are they're doable i guess swimming you could swim too one of my old guitar teachers loves swimming but like swimming is like promoted for like retired old people like to get moving because it's like water resistant it's i think it's probably pretty hard to injure yourself it's it's easy on the casual swimmers like yeah that. And, and, you know, like running, especially you run on pavement, you're, when you get older, I know people have trouble with their knees yep. sometimes and, and that, that's not the most ideal and, you know, lifting and all these things are, they, they, they can wear your, your joints out, you know, which becomes in, becomes an issue. Um, yeah. Unless so I guess. Unless you're that? Isaac and you're, you're like a jack guitarist. I'm not, I'm fat, man. I, it's COVID, COVID hit me hard. I got, I'm getting rid of this belly, getting, getting the numbers back up. Um, had a monster workout this morning. Um, but I guess I'm on the other end of the spectrum. Now, I think it's important to clarify that Dalton and I are two very different guitar players. <laughs> so Dalton, it's, he's, he has so much damn education in, in his field that it's, it's ridiculous, you know? So his, the music that he plays is, uh, it's refined, it's sophisticated, you know? It's, it, takes, uh, it's, it has finesse. The music that I play is, is loud and arguably messy by nature. Um, and, you know, so the, the, the requirement, I think, for technical proficiency differs so that i think that's i don't know that that's what's up no I don't, I don't think so maybe i don't know i don't play electric guitar i can't really defend that i i, I mean just in, inherently because you know i think if you're if you're playing electric guitar in the style of, like of rock blues like which is mostly what i where i hang out <laughs> um it's you're either playing you know melody or rhythm and you're usually not doing, t- you're playing multiple voices at the same time. It's a little bit more intricate in that, in that regard. Um, but just yeah, to but say that, that, go ahead. That, does, that doesn't make me like cool or refined. You're making me sound like, like Dom is so cool. I'm like, yeah. Well, I didn't say you were cool. I said the way you play is cool. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> Just, oh, to, <laughs> just to be very clear of like you're playing like pe- people need to because I think and I've said this to you before like I've heard you play and I'm like wow and then I hear you talk and it's like who is that is that like the same person you know like there's a I was like who is who is this per- did that music come out of this person I don't know I'm, Does just, that- I'm, <laughs> I'm just reflecting so much it just all makes so much sense <laughs> <laughs> no but it's, it's like go ahead it like brings me back to this girl that i went on like a few dates with because i just like instantly think about like the the dating life where like she's like yeah she's like you're you're a good looking guy you're really good at guitar she's like 
she was super nice about it. I think she was like, kind of like, she's like, we're not compatible. But I think like, the more I think about it, it's like, bro, you're weird. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't, I didn't say weird. It's just, uh, I don't, I don't know. You're, you're you, man. It's just, it's just, that would not expect the, the person who plays what you play. And then when we find out, I'm like, oh, that's different. Or at least not what I expected. But I'm not saying that as a negative. I'm, I'm like, obviously, because you're the co-host, bro. We, we need your personality. Yeah, it's like when like, podcast. it's like, hey, man, it's like the other day to give you an example. Yeah, I sent Isaac, I follow this Instagram page. The name escapes me. It's called like Dolphin Dronedom. Mm-hmm. where it's like a drone page but just to give you an idea yeah i'm weird well, i'm just like dude isaac check out this instagram page uh it's this guy takes pictures of dolphins and whales with a drone isn't this shit cool like yeah that's, that's it weird. is cool i thought it was cool but uh <laughs> i didn't i want to be very clear that i didn't say weird you said weird i didn't yeah say, I, I wasn't painting it as a negative i was just saying i was a little bit surprised but I, I am a scrub <laughs> in life. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that just keep that in mind because I the sports. First of all, I didn't really grow up doing sports or anything like that. Um, there wasn't a lot of athletics in the New York City or Brooklyn school system. Uh, I played handball and that was pretty much it. That's what we played. And that we played, actually, we played a lot of, actually, that's a sport. We did a lot of, I played a lot of handball growing up because you find a wall anywhere. So that was in school and in the neighborhood. That's what we did. Um, and I got, I got it, you know, I mean, I was a bit of a troublemaker when I was growing up and I got into quite a few scraps uh, starting middle school. So I was actually oh, wait, a, a rock star guitarist as a troublemaker as a, <laughs> as a youth. No, I've, ne- I've never heard this story before. I'm, I'm such a cliche, bro. It's not even I can't even like, oh, yeah, it's cool. It's like it's it's uh, I can't escape it. But it, it's yeah, I used to get into a lot of scraps and I wasn't very good at fighting. So I used to get beat up a lot. So, you know, I would do my best, but obviously I can't see and my glasses would be the first thing to go. And oh, then was, no. it was trouble, bro. But, I let, you know, I had, I had that Mexican fighting heart, bro. Don't give up. But it, that got me beat up probably a little more <laughs> than if I would have been a little bit smarter and be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't get beat up. But, you know, you're like 13 and you got a lot of spunk and things like that. And anyway, um. I did so I and that that was it that, that was my athletics handball and scrapping in Brooklyn that's, that's my, my youth athletics um but um well I lost my train of thought for a second anyway you're, talk, you're gonna talk about how now you're a badass fighter no well I'm not a fighter I'm because I'm not I'm not like athletically gifted or anything like that. I'm slow. I'm not the strongest guy and, and you know, by, by any stretch. So, you know, it's, it's not that I just, when I got older, I, you know, I got away from physical activities and I don't know if you know this, but I used to be like a big smoker. So. Oh, I, I, I did not know that. Yeah. I used to smoke. I started smoking really young, like 14, 15. Bad, and, bad Isaac. Yeah. It was, it was, it was really bad. And by the time I was like 22, 23, you know, I was probably smoking like a pack a day or something like that. And 
and I was, I remember it was around 23 when I was like, okay, I can't keep doing, I really wanted to like turn my life around. You know what I mean? It was, it was a, a important moment. And How, wait, hold, hold on. How old were you when you met Jeff? 23. It was oh, right. Vivid. It was right before I met her. It was no right before I met her is where I turned my life around. If she had met me like six months before or a year before, she'd be like, no. Um, but that's when I started making changes around like health and, you know, pursuing music a little bit more serious and things like that. And you were a rebel. I was, I was. And, and I was, I was like, I need to quit smoking. I started jogging. And I remember the first time I tried it, I couldn't run to the block. I was like, I was so bummed out and so out of breath. I was like, I'm 23 years old and I can't even run like a hundred yards without, you know, coughing up a lot but that kind of kept me going and then I just kind of started jogging and then I found out about MMA because I started watching like UFC things I've always been infatuated with fighting and I kind of always thought I just suck at it you know I thought it was like an inherent thing that I'm just not good at it and and it turns out that people do this for you and I started watching MMA fights I'm like oh these are like these are like real fights they're not like pretend you know these guys these guys are you know they're it's not a tickling match they're trying to hurt each other and yes <laughs> <laughs> and it, it fascinated me and then it fascinated me it fascinated me even more that there were gyms where you could go train this so i found i found a kick uh like a an mma gym in brooklyn that was the first time i went in it was primarily like a striking gym which means they focus on boxing and kickboxing more than the grappling arts like wrestling and brazilian jiu-jitsu and that was my beginning man and then from there i became it, it actually took some it took away from my music for like the first year because i was so obsessed with it i was like I was going to the gym like three, four times a week and I was jumping into sparring and I was like, uh, the really cool thing about training like mixed martial arts or Brazilian jiu-jitsu is that it's like the only sport where you might have a chance to train with pros or like, like higher level athletes, right? Like if you like basketball, you can't go train with like a famous basketball player just because you like basketball, right? But like, for example, where I train, there are a bunch of USC fighters and you know, not that we're like rolling together or anything, but they're like part of the community. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, the owner of the gym is, is a former UFC champion and things like that. But anyway, my advice would be for musicians to not do that because it's, it's, <laughs> it's terrible for your, it's so terrible for your, it's not terrible for your hands. I've actually, I'm actually really careful about it, but as careful as I can be, because it is a contact sport where you are kind of like, trying to inflict some discomfort and you, you punch people person. right yeah but i wrap my hands and i use really big i use big but, gloves but you punch people i do yeah yeah i do i do my thing more than that is like the strike the grappling so like brazilian jiu-jitsu where you're wrestling trying to take each other down and, and get a superior position and then submit the other guy it's it's so Outside of music, it's the thing that's probably fascinated me the most, I think. Um, Sounds like some scrub with his recent obsession with golf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that, I would say. And so, but I think, you know, if you're a, like a professional musician, you got to be really careful about what it is that you do in your extracurriculars. But I do think that fitness is a huge component just to like, 
you know, for the mental and maybe even spiritual side, you know, to kind of, cause if you just, I think you sometimes you just gotta, you gotta do something. Cause you're sitting here, you're working your brain all the time or, you know, you're gigging and things like that. Um, I think it's important to, to take care of the body. So don't sit on your ass and play Star Wars video games. No, don't do, don't do that. Or maybe do that a little bit, but you know, go out and play golf or something. And if you feel adventurous, go, oh, I'm, go I'm, try I'm, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I'm super tan right now. You're tan. I'm, I'm tan as hell from uh, moving. I was helping my friend move a couple of days ago. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, shoot, man. You just made me feel like a scrub. <laughs> Why? I'm just like here. I'm like poking my stomach. I'm like, I'm <laughs> out of shape. <laughs> Well, maybe, maybe that this will be it. You got to start out and uh, start doing hill sprints or something. You could do that. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I've always like put a correlation with like being in shape and being more attractive to the ladies. Uh, I, I, and as I said earlier, dude, you're just, you're just weird. You're just that weird guitar guy and his weird guitar tunings. You gotta do the let the playing do the talking for you, bro. That's I think that's your... yeah. But like, what about when like you don't have a guitar in your hands? I know I've never seen you without a guitar. Okay. <laughs> You've seen me without a guitar. I've never seen you without a guitar. True, but just like imagine that like not not to papal my poor poor dating life but just imagine you're like some girl's like wow do you check out this guy he's so good at guitar and then like the thing goes in the case and that's where it just all goes to shit wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Nah, you, that's why you gotta you gotta impress with the playing right away so that stays in their mind yeah that's it can get erased pretty quickly <laughs> <laughs> So can you tell us about who we're having on? I know you mentioned his name, but uh, he is in the waiting room now. Yeah. So I think it's, uh, we'll it's be, before we yeah. bring him on, we'll just say a little bit about Danny, mm -hmm. kick-ass kick -ass drummer. Uh, Isaac knows him. So because actually do uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu together. Mm -hmm. uh, but he's going to tell us way more about how he is a rock star metal drummer. Uh, I can't wait to ask about the double bass because I just know the metal guys. It is like crucial for them. Oh yeah. Um, but let's let him in. I, Isaac can hype him up, and we'll we'll get it going. For sure, man. Um, yeah. So cool. So we have Danny Lamania coming on, and he's a drummer from Long Island. And I know him because we've trained some Brazilian jiu-jitsu together for sure. <laughs> yeah. And dude, I've seen some bits and pieces of your work, you know, mostly through social media and things like that. And I was told, oh man, so cool. And that's kind of what this podcast is all about. Kind of getting to know these, they're amazing musicians, especially in New York, you know, the level is so high and I, I'm just super interested to talk to you and, and get to know you, your story, and, and kind of what, what you do, man. So thank you so much for, for taking the time and coming on. Well, thank you. Um, I'm honored to be asked to do anything like this. It's 
few and far between that anybody ever wants to talk to a drummer. So <laughs> thank you. Yeah, for sure. So why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, man? Like, uh, you know, a little bit of your story and what's been going on for you, you know, during these COVID times. All right. Well, do you want me to like start from the beginning where yeah. I got into music and all yes. that? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So I got my first drum set when I was about 10. And um, this is a good tie-in right here because I'm part of that 10 drummers who influenced you challenge on Facebook. I'm sure you've seen that for guitar players. So uh, my number one guy who's not really like in any numerical order is my first drum teacher that I like grew up with. And I actually just connected with him on LinkedIn because of this whole thing. I went and looked him up. So this guy, Jack Ferrara was like, he was actually my second drum teacher. I had a first drum teacher, this guy, Steve, when I was like, you know, seven or eight, but Jack like got me interested in music and like kind of gave me the kick in the pants to, you know, practice more. Like he, he was a rough teacher and I, I needed that. You know, he was like, Magna, you don't practice. You ain't going to get anywhere if you don't practice. And, uh, you know, he kind of like lit that fire under my ass. Actually, if I remember correctly, there was a Primus song going around at the time. And he was like, you'll never be able to play this. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I like, you know, learned that Primus tune and it came back. And it, like the positive reaction I got from him from that, just I got addicted. You know, I was like, hey, this guy thought I couldn't pull it off. And I did. And, uh, you know, he's like, hey, not bad. So. From there, I became like, you know, this crazy practaholic. And I was like probably 11 years old at that point. So I just started practicing relentlessly. And um, I got like a lot better than the kids my age. And there really weren't a lot of kids playing music at that point at my age. So I started hanging out with a lot of older kids. And from there, you know, by the time I was 12 or 13, I started playing in like, you know, there were a lot of clubs back then that like had dry days and matinees and things like that. So there was like a pretty good amount of places that like, you know, they could get me in the play, even though I wasn't 18 yet. So, you know, we're talking probably like 91 or 92. So there was like, you know, a club in Freeport called the right track in that we used to play at all the time. There was another one in Elmont called hammerheads that we used to play at all the time. Um, the Roxy and Huntington was still open at that point And they had shows that like, you know, minors could play at and it was awesome. You know, I like playing music with my friends every weekend. And you know, that's kind of like how it started for me. Um, eventually, I started playing with like, you know, some pretty legitimate musicians. And they started teaching me like, you know, what to do, how to carry yourself, how to play, you know, what you're supposed to be doing when you're on tour, you know, things like that. Load in, load out, be on time, be professional, learn your parts. And from there, I got into like, you know, guys that ran recording studios and, you know, guys that were self-producing their bands after like their careers kind of took an arc after the music industry took a dive. And, uh, you know, I learned how to record music. I learned what it means to, you know, play in the studio. And uh, I got to go on a lot of pretty big national tours and I got to, you know, play alongside, but like some real talented, phenomenal A-class musicians and just soak up everything they had to talk about and saw everything they did. And they just kind of kept absorbing that and packing it into me, packing it into me. And, you know, here I am. The journey still continues. So. Um, okay. Hold, hold on. I, uh... Everything got pulled. You know, I was, I don't know, Isaac, I haven't seen you in a long time. I was, I was out on tour when this whole thing started and I kind of got like, you know, kicked out of Canada and had to come home and you know, I came home to just nothing. I didn't have drums here or anything. I'm like kind of sequestered in my friend's studio here. Yeah. He's, closed for the time being. So he let me set up shop here. 
but um, you know, not being able to play music live right now, it hurts. I, I bet. Um, I bet. Dalton, did you have a question? I did. This Go was, for it. it. It all went so fast. He's like, Oh, and hey, actually, was- <laughs> actually, and I realized I just, I'm so rude and I didn't introduce you. This is my co-host Dalton. I know I told him it was my podcast, but it's actually our podcast. I don't. Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah, like five okay, minutes dude. in. <laughs> we're, we're that familiar. We just kind of forget everybody doesn't know each other. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm working my way up to half half seas with Isaac, but <laughs> I'm I'm the I'm the podcast clown that can play guitar. But I was asking I was gonna ask, you were like, all right, so like yeah. So I started practicing a bunch when I was ten. Like then I started playing and shows and then boom you're like yeah i'm touring and i was just like wait what like hold i up. skipped a couple of steps in there. <laughs> like hol- holy shit man this is a- <laughs> yeah well there was a stint at music school there was a lot of lessons in between with some really crazy teachers who probably didn't really you know have the patience to put up with me but they still did and um you know the touring thing like i think the first time i left the country to go play i think it was in 2001 so that was like kind of the beginning of you know, me trying to set out to become, you know, I don't know what I was trying to do. You know, I never really, I still to this day, I'm like so careless with money. I don't care about it. Like, I just looking for the next experience, the new learning experience, the next, you know, the next band that wants to work with me. Where, where am I going to go now? Like, that's pretty much all I've ever been interested in. Like when a thing ends, I'm like, all right, so what's next? Mm-hmm. And like, that's yeah. probably like a blessing and a curse because, you know, I'm, I'm the uh, I'm the poster boy for like you know broke underground musician. <laughs> I probably wouldn't want it any other way, you know. Like I get by, like I can pay my bills, I can eat, but like, um, you know, just being on the road and playing and being in the studio and recording—it's just it's my two favorite things in the whole world. I mean, I love my wife and I love jujitsu, so I've got like a nice whole thing that like supports me outside of music. That's awesome, like a, bro. I've been That's doing it. When I don't get to do it, you know, it feels weird. Yeah. It's funny you say that. That's like the three, the three things that the trifecta of it's like the three, all the three things I want to do is play guitar, hang out with my girl, go do jujitsu. That like, I can have those three. I'm, I'm a happy yeah. camper. I don't need anything else. Yeah, dude, for years, my day is like 6 a.m. class or 7 a.m. class rather. Shower, eat, practice from nine to two. Go teach from three to nine. Come home, hang out with Christina for a couple hours. Wake up and do it again. You yeah, know? This is, that's a dream right there, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's why. Like, I don't really like look for anything else. And then, like, you know, a couple of times a year, I get called to go do cool things. And uh, you know, it's pretty pretty chill life. Yeah. Can we backtrack a little bit? Did I? Did you mention? Did you go to music school or? I did. I went to Nassau Community College for a couple of years. Okay. Uh, I, I was never a strong student. I was always a good music student because I liked to practice and I like, always, it's the same thing with like, you know, Matt and our teachers, you know, like I value a good teacher very highly. And that's always been a thing that I've had. Like, you know, I respect people who are good at what they do and will share what they're doing. So like, I always would follow any of my teachers straight into battle. You know? like, whatever they said, that's what I did. And I went home and I made sure that I came back and you know, they were happy with my performance. Um, so I went to Nassau for a couple of years and at that point I was still just interested in drums and I didn't really take to the marimba. I didn't take to the keyboarding classes. I didn't take to the sight singing. All that stuff was just like, 
in another world that I wasn't ready to like admit existed yet. Mm. Like, I need this. I just want to play drums. So I kind of like, you know, got by the best I could there. And then, you know, I, I took some time off and I went back and I took some time off and went back. I should have just finished the degree. But like I said, I just wanted to play more drums. So I started taking lessons at this place in the city called The Collective. And I had some good private teachers there at the, um, the school there. The guy that was teaching at Nassau Community College was this man, Mike Oswitz at the time. And he recommended I go take lessons at The Collective. And that's how I ended up there. And then right at the time where I was like in my fourth semester there, um, this guy, Rob Balducci, do you know him, Isaac? No. Queens guitar player. Look him oh, okay. up. Really good. Will do. Um, he needed a drummer and he had this tour booked in England. And it was like, you know, it wasn't a lot of shows, but it was a good chunk of time. I think we were in England for like two and a half weeks. It was probably only like eight shows. So, you know, I jumped at it. I was like, cool. I can go on tour and I can see what that's like. And, you know, it was cool. And I liked it. And playing yeah. it was awesome. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. And um, from there, I had met the guys in Biohazard. And Billy was starting a new side project. And I ended up being the original drummer in that. And that took up about 10 years after that. And while that was going on, I was out here doing like session work with a lot of local bands. And I still had like my bands. And I was trying out for people. Like, I think at that point, um, it's hard for me to recall this stuff because it was so long ago. I mean, it was, I had auditioned for Sworn Enemy and not got it. I had auditioned for Sebastian Box Band and not got it. But then like the Suicide City thing with Billy like took off for a long time. So like, I didn't like look for any other gigs or any other jobs or anything. So I think that happened from like, we started working on that project in 2003, I think. So it was right at the end of my tenure with Rob. And that lasted until almost 2008. So that was what I did then. And from there, when that band split, I actually ended up getting hired by Sworn Enemy. So I went and played with them for five years and we went pretty much, you know, Europe, United States, Europe, United States, Europe, United States twice a year for you know, five or six years after that. Um, that disbanded. Well, I mean, it didn't disband, I left. But, uh, they're still playing. And then I started doing a lot of freelance stuff. Um, I played with Walls of Jericho last summer, I believe. And that was fantastic. The band's great. The people are great. The shows were awesome. I don't know if you saw any of the pictures, but I did. I did. Big festivals. And then there were some insane club dates that like these little tiny clubs and it was just packed to the gills. I can't tell you how many times I came out on stage and uh, everything in the room was just dripping wet from everybody. It was disgusting. <laughs> it was so much fun. Ew. And then uh, I was on tour with the McKenzie's beginning of the year when this happened and uh i had been playing with another band i don't know if you heard about it from the gym i'm not supposed to talk about it because it hasn't happened yet so this year was going to be a very busy year i think i had like 180 dates on my calendar it was the biggest the biggest the busiest year i'd ever had so i heard about a bigger hopefully yeah, next like a, year a it'll pick up again <laughs> hopefully yeah it's what I'm seeing happening here is everybody's copying and pasting this year just to next year. So pretty much my April calendar, you know, is happening in 2021. Mm -hmm. I'm like, push to 2022 <laughs> at that point. <laughs> what's going to happen? Yeah. Damn, man. That's... Right, so I just rambled a whole bunch. Did I, did I catch you up? Yeah, yeah. No, that's great, man. That, that definitely paints the, the picture. And... That's, a, that's a lot of my background. I, I have a, a whole bunch what? of bands I didn't get into in there that like a, a question never got in like there's there's way more no's than there are yeses 
I kind of like that part of my life too, you know? Yeah. Go uh, shoot Dalton. All right. Um, so to fill Danny in, uh, I play solo nylon string guitar. Nice. Um, so <laughs> yeah, so your world is a lot different than mine. I'm a classical percussionist, man. So not really. Um, no, I mean, as far as like playing with bands, uh, but my question is like, is it like kind of tell us about the, the networking with all these groups of people, like kind of the insight. Cause I, it's kind of funny. Like one of the reasons why I like playing the music that I play is I don't like playing music with people, which is really rare in the music world. Like I I've been fine with playing like chamber music with like a singer or a violinist or flute or whatever but that's like it and even in my world they're like well if you want to get gigs and stuff like play with a chamber partner you'll get way more stuff but I'm uh, I'm in school to just be a K through 12 music teacher I want to be like middle school high school band because I play band instruments too but Those just as teachers far as are very like, important man yeah but as far as like playing with like people because that's just something for for me personally that is so distant where people like I told Isaac a story I played in a band when I was in middle school and I ended up getting kicked out because there was a point where I just ate bagel bites and took naps on the couch <laughs> so that's like my extent of like band networking so if you could tell us and more more me and everyone because I want to I want to know what it's like to market yourself and network with because you're just like ah, I play with that band that band I was like holy shit like well dude that's interesting that you brought that up because um I've had a lot of negative experiences in music networking but I've also had a fantastic amount of positive ones so the style of music that I play mostly is this like umbrella is called hardcore and specifically New York hardcore and New York hardcore is all over the world. It's not just like here, but it kind of originated here. It's like, you know, in the late 80s, it's like what was happening here. It's like fast punk. It's a little bit more aggressive. But um, the community that's there is tight. And like they treat each other so much different than any other group of people I've ever associated with. Like they literally are family. And you hear a lot of people talk about community and brotherhood all over the world. And as soon as they disagree with somebody, they jump down their throat and they start talking smack. And I don't agree with you. You're an idiot. Like you just don't see stuff like that in this world. It's refreshing. It's nice. People go out of their way for each other. And when you get a good reputation in that click, you know, you're in and people will, you know, doors will open for you, I guess. So from my experience with, the guys in Biohazard, I met a lot of these people. And I got to befriend a lot of them. I got to tour with a lot of them. You know, I got to tour with Madball. I got to tour with Terror. I got to tour with Agnostic Front. I got to tour with, um, let's see who else is on there, Crown of Thorns. Um, so many bands from Europe. There's this band Rikers from Europe. I mean, these guys are all people I talk to every other week. And there's so many of them that I can't keep track of who I talk to and who I don't. I just, I'm always communicating with one guy in one of these bands at any given point, any day. Like friends like that around the world that all like the same thing and have like the like-minded mentality. The only other place I've ever seen it is on the mats. You know? 
like people are real and they say what they're going to do and they follow their word for the most part. And I've been in the local circuit, man. I've done the wedding band thing. I've done the cover band thing. I don't want to talk shit on anybody. <laughs> a lot of those guys are not your friends. They're your friends to your face. They're going to stab you in the back to take the gig and they're going to shit talk you if it's going to get them ahead. And that sucks, man. I hated it. You, know, you have to play a part. You can't just be you. In the hardcore punk and metal world, being you is celebrated, man. That's like, be you. Don't be somebody else. Like, you're kind of laughed at if you're a clone of somebody else. You know? So, I don't know if that answers that. But. No, that, that's great. I, I picked the wrong, uh, the wrong uh, path of music, clearly. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Dude, I play the drum set. But you know what I love doing? I love just playing the drums on my own. Guys like Terry Bozio, who can, like, make music with the drum kit, that's to me is like what I would love to be able to eventually do. Just, you know, I've seen Terry Bozio 11 times, just play drums, no band, no nothing. I don't know if you guys know who he is. Look him up. He has a gigantic crazy drum kit, but it's pitched and it's tuned and he makes melody and he plays rhythm with his feet and plays melody with his hands. It's satisfying. It sounds like you're listening to like, you know, a nice soundtrack to a movie. It's really cool. So, you know, that's, that's, an amazing thing. I mean, I guess a guitar and a piano is more the instrument and more the vehicle for that. But there's a way to do it with drums. There's a way to do it with anything. Yeah. I've watched, uh, I think the only drummer really I've watched just on his own is Jojo Mayer. And just, uh, I mean, I could, I just, he, that dude, it's, it's crazy. Do you want to hear a Jojo story? I, yeah, please. Okay. I met Jojo in 1998, I believe. I'm pretty sure this is his first appearance in America. Don't quote me on all right. So are you familiar with like Jojo's look through the years? I've all, I, the only picture that comes to mind is this like little, like the fro that he has. Dude, he looks straight up sideshow Bob at the <laughs> festival he played. Right? And he walked out and people started fucking laughing at him. And I felt bad because I didn't know who he was. You know, I, I was there to see Danny Carey from Tool. It's the only reason why I went. But <laughs> opened the festival. And dude, people were laughing at him, yelling at him, like, nice hair, just picking on him. And I'm like, you guys are all grown men. Why are you? <laughs> Yo, so he sits down, right? Closes his eyes and just plays this drum solo for a half hour, Mach 1. Never seen anybody move that fast ever in my life for like 20 minutes. And then just stops. Standing ovation, everybody loves him. So. Wow. After the festival, I saw him hanging out outside and I just went and I started talking to him. And then, um, you know, we stayed in touch and he was living in New York and uh, he was home from tour, I guess. And I asked him if I could catch a lesson. So for $75, he held me hostage in his space for three and a half hours and showed me all the stuff on his DVDs that hadn't come out yet. I'm still working on the stuff out of that drum lesson. He hurled so much crap at me that I was just like, Oh, <laughs> hand technique, foot technique, timing concepts, books I hadn't been through yet, blew my freaking mind. And like, I'm looking at my watch and I'm like, dude, I've been here for three hours. I got to eat something. I got to out of here. And he's just going, 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 going. And he's like, uh, $75 for the hour. And I was like, we've been here for like four hours, man. And he was like, don't worry. <laughs> wow. Best, best $75 ever, dude. <laughs> yeah. Ever, man. Yo, I learned so much. He, uh, he showed me like these different fulcrum things he does and like push pull and this valve thing where you like, 
hit the stick from underneath and you can get 16th notes with one hand. You know, I, I had started working on the molar technique with other teachers out here uh -huh. and he, he just like filled in all the blanks because he had studied with Jim Chapin and I hadn't been with anybody that had studied that with him yet. So, you know, he just, the whip, you know, he had me on a drum pad and we'd start here, you'd push your hand forward, you'd bring it up top, let it dangle, elbow, shoulder, hit. And I practiced that in front of a mirror for like months after that. <laughs> I think he might've shown me this thing too. So you can like kind of like counter move and you can make him hit me up and the down. Yeah. It was super important. And then when his DVDs came out and I watched them, I was like, this was my drum lesson. <laughs> like a video record of it. That's dope, man. That is so dope. Yeah, he's awesome, man. There's a new video floating around of him playing with these uh, two dudes. It's a guitar player and a bass player. And it's just straight up rock. And it's, it's awesome. I'll try to find it and send it to you. Please. Yeah. Is that I mean, new? less technical and fast in the stuff he's played. Uh -huh. but like raw, nasty garage rock. And it's really cool. That's, that's, that's what I like is that punk, messy, loud kind of rock, man. It's a yeah, lot it's of also attitude. to watch JoJo play it because like you just, you know, he can play whatever he wants. Right. So how he's playing that is exactly how he wants it to sound. Oh man. Okay. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to look that up. Um, can I, and you mentioned this previously for a second about when you auditioned that you got a lot of more no's than you did yeses. And, <laughs> and I, I'm just curious as to kind of, have you handled that? What, what is that? I mean, personally for me, cause when you hear a no, or at least for me, it's, it's like, it, it, it hurts, you know? Cause it's like, Oh man, I'm it not, does. you know, it's, I worked it, hard. How come I didn't get it? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe can you speak a little bit about that? Well, I haven't always had a good attitude about that. That happens, you know, probably in the last eight to 10 years. Um, I, I think the reason I'm good at handling no is because uh, like, you know, the music business is hard, man. I've been in a lot of bands that have imploded. I've lost, you know, a lot of money, a lot of friends. And at a certain point in my life, I realized that I was playing in a band that I really loved and I was making decent money and I was getting press and people were paying attention to me. And I was like, why am I still miserable? So I started like looking inside and I was realizing that like, you ain't going to get that million dollar gig if you're going to ruin it. You know, the universe isn't going to give that to you. The universe has been kind to me. It gives me whatever I need, you know? And it took me a while to realize that. But had I gotten a big gig that was high paying back then, probably would have killed myself. There's no way I would have been able to handle money. If I couldn't handle not money, there's no way I would have handled money. You know what I mean? Um, there's no way I would have been able to handle having yes men around me, just letting me do whatever I want. You know? I needed people to be like, yo, you're being a jerk. You need to cut it out. I needed people to tell me, you know, practice more. You're not good enough yet. You know, if I just had people being like, Hey, we're going to ride on this dude's coattails. I probably would have self-destructed. So there's that. The other thing is, is that, um, you know, a lot of the times that I've gotten no's, I've gotten no's from some pretty crazy places that I don't think I belonged at, you know, like, um, I got to audition. I don't know if you guys know the band Fear Factory. One of my oh. favorite bands when I was a kid, you know, Flew to California on my own dime, auditioned for like seven and a half hours. You know, I didn't get it. And I was real bummed out about that because I know I played better than the dude they got. Everybody told me that. And then when I saw them live, I was like, this is not good. Like the whole band was falling apart. Come to find out that those guys aren't the nicest people in the world anyway. That was a win for me, dude. You know, Matt teaches us to not put up with bullies. If I get stuck in a band with a bully, I'm going to have to leave. 
So thank God I didn't get that. Um, Sebastian Bach, you know, that was a crazy day too. I got to go to his house, invited me to his basement to just jam with him and a couple of his friends. Um, you know, that was a no. I auditioned for Blue Man Group a couple of years ago. And like the dude who's the musical director in that is my friend. He's telling me this is like a shoe in Didn't get it. <laughs> These things hurt. But they make you readdress your playing. They make you readdress your attitude. You have to also accept the fact that you're not the right fit for everything. You know? Sometimes it's personality. Sometimes it's look. Um, I got canned from a wedding band because of the way I look. You know? That sucks. That really hurt. You know? That really hurt. And then, you know, they ended up playing more rock music than dance music. And I was like, but that's what I do. <laughs> you insane you threw me out of the band because of the way i look and then started playing the music that i'm good at <laughs> i know the hip-hop thing's not my wheelhouse but i work at it yeah um i'm trying to think of who else said no um there's a whole bunch of underground metal bands that said no like uh there's this band unearth up in boston i had learned their set list like 20 something songs because they had contracted me to well contacted me to fill in for them for something mm-hmm. and you know just didn't happen. You know, nobody, nobody followed through on it. You know, I'd learned the whole set. I had, you know, the first date of the tour on my calendar. And then like, you know, three weeks out, I was like, so uh, what's up guys? Crickets, nothing. Of course they're out with another drummer next month. That happens all the time too. Um, and then there's other bands that like, you know, just they end up needing a drummer because the band's not healthy. And then they end up folding. You know, there's plenty of bands like that too. Um, there was another band out in Long Island. I'm not going to say who they are because I don't want to drag anybody through the mud. Um, close friends of people Isaac and I train with. And, you know, I really wanted to be in that band. I was going for it hard. And uh, they ended up saying no. And then some crazy personal things happened and those guys got blacklisted. So thank God I wasn't attached to that too. So the other thing that I'm taking from this is a lot of times no saves me from some other catastrophe. So when I get no... I wait and I watch and I see what happens. Very rarely have I gotten a no from something that has gone on to be so fantastic that I'm just like, fuck. (laughs) Usually the bands just ride where they are. They drop off. Or if I don't pay attention to what they're doing, I just don't see it anymore. That's the Mm. same thing as them dropping off in my eyes. Because if they were doing something that spectacular, it would find me. Yeah. That's cool. It's It's a struggle to stay positive about things. It is. I'm, I'm, I'm not an overly positive person. I've chosen to try to make the best of any situation. And that was a choice I made. Yeah. It's like you get a no and then it becomes like a Netflix show. It's like, what's going to happen with the band that rejected me? Yeah. That's awesome, dude. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's crazy. Especially, um, actually I meant to say this for those, for people listening and also for Dalton, when uh, Danny refers to Matt, he's talking about Matt, Sarah, which is um, our hero. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, Matt Sarah, former UFC champion and uh, oh. sensei. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let me, uh, can you talk about like some of the biggest shows that you've played and where they've been and kind of what that experiences, what those experiences were like? I know, like you said, yeah. I, I, I've seen some, some crazy pictures on social. Europe has always been the biggest place for me. Um, just the last, the last thing I did that was, all right, so the McKenzie shows were varied. Like, they played on the weekends at some pretty big clubs, and then 
Canada, I don't know if you guys know what like the states were like in like the 60s and 70s. I wasn't born then, but I know about it from my teachers and things like that. There were hotels everywhere that had bands and the bands lived at the hotels and played in the hotels and toured hotels, not really nightclubs or venues. Bigger bands did, but smaller bands like that played top 40 and dance and stuff like that would all play in hotels. So Canada still has a very vibrant hotel scene, which is wild because I didn't see that here. I grew up in nightclubs and bars. So we played mostly hotels during the week and then, you know, concert halls and stuff like that on the weekends. That only lasted two weeks because it got cold. So 500 cap rooms, I'm pretty comfortable in that. 1,000 cap rooms, I'm pretty comfortable. My first show at Walls of Jericho was a Brutal Assault. And I think that was 80,000 people. You know? So this is a common thing that happens. You spend 12 hours on a plane, you spend 10 hours in a van, and then your first show is in front of a couple of thousand people like that. So it's trial by fire. You know? My second show with Sworn Enemy, I believe, was at this place called Hellfest. And at that point, that was the biggest thing I'd ever played. That was at least 100,000 people. Hellfest, like, have you ever seen pictures of the fields, like, you know, where Metallica headlines? That's like what the festivals are like in Europe. It's, it's that. That's the only way I can describe it. It's that many people. And you don't play that every night. You play that three or four times a week, and then you play small clubs in between. And it's a happy balance. But getting to that point, you know, um, playing in front of that many people, I don't know why, but it didn't mess with my head at all. Like, I just went out and I played. To me, you know, it's more nerve-wracking playing in front of nobody because then it's like there's two <laughs> people there and they're eyeballing every mistake you make. <laughs> playing in front of like 80,000 people, probably 10 of them that know your music, you know, let's be real. <laughs> like, <laughs> all see, they're there to see the last five bands or they're just there to party with their friends. They're not there to see, you know, Dan LaMagna, see if he can play Measure 72 in this hard song, you know. They <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And it would be foolish for me to think anybody would, you know. Right. So that's what my, that's what my cool. business you know, is It's for. fun. Festivals are the best because, number one, you get to see all the other bands and that's where you get to see like the big dogs play. You know, I remember at that health fest, that first one that I did, I, I hung out on stage all day. I didn't leave. I just like found a place to nestle in and I watched everybody, you know, I saw a twisted sister. I saw Alice Cooper. I saw slash. I saw fear factory. I saw sick of it all, you know, just right in front of me, right there. Like I could touch these guys as they're walking on to the, you know, the riser. And I just hung out there and watched. And that's been like the thing I've done at festivals since. Like I'll go eat after my set and I'll go hang out on stage until I get kicked off. You know? <laughs> a lot of times bands don't like people on stage. Right. Sometimes if you're just there all day, people just think you belong there. <laughs> <laughs> just look like, yeah, look like you're in place for something. But that, that's so yeah, cool. This guy man. must work here. <laughs> yeah, right. You can, especially with your back shirt, you kind of look like either security or a yeah. roadie. Dude, after. everybody yeah. thinks of a security guard. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's hysterical to me. Yeah, it's just like, dude, he's, he's here to keep you safe. And uh, yeah. he, he's, yeah. he's trained, so he's, he's good to go, man. Now I am. Back then yeah. I was not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what, it, what an opportunity, especially for, you know, that's as close as you can get to seeing big acts like that. You know, that, that's, so, that's so cool, man. Yeah, it's great because, like, you know, I've had like a crew mentality because I've, I've worked on road crews and things like that before. Like, I'm not just a, a player. Like, I'm, I'm also a backline tech. So, you know, talking production, talking chit-chat with the engineers, learning about like how they're micing the drums and, you know, 
what new gears out there that they're using and just seeing how the road crew all operates together. Like that stuff's all cool to me. Like I yeah. love, I like seeing a well-oiled machine pull off, you know, a show. And a lot of time the festivals are cool too, because like bands show up two hours before stage time and they got to build that entire set and then break it down and get it back in the truck and head out to the next, you know, place. It's, it's amazing to watch it all go off without a hitch. It's, it's funny you say that because I actually didn't notice until you brought it up right now. Any gig that I've ever gone to, especially the bigger ones, like everybody's talking, drinking, doing whatever. And I'm like watching everybody set up like before yeah. the band comes up. And I, <laughs> I was like, too. yeah, where are they putting? And I'm like, and I'm actually like, don't buy. I'm focused. I'm watching. And I drive all my friends stuff. crazy. I'm like, oh, you see what he's doing? You see what he's doing? They're like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly beer, leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly but it's it's cool because you know you're you're learning you see you're seeing what they're what they're doing um yeah then every once in a while you see somebody from the band come out and tinker with something you're like <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um <laughs> let me let me ask you because you've you've been in so many bands you've learned so much damn music can you tell us about like your process for uh preparing music learning sets and and things like that i will that? show you Oh, one I'm so excited for this. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, Danny, when you're doing this, uh, so... I don't think he because, could hear you, Dalton. Oh, oh he can't I can hear you. Just oh, okay. No, okay. Just, no. just kidding. No, go for it. Okay. So, so, not, so now that you're going to show us a little bit of uh, how you learn, which I obviously see you're busting out some music, some drums, uh, maybe like when you're talking about this too, can you talk about your your drum setup a little bit if that's not too much to ask no 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 whatever you guys want to talk about i i want to know from somebody who doesn't play in bands like i uh, i checked out your setup before we brought you on and i i just saw the two bases and then somebody in that mind stuff who does not travel with me <laughs> somebody's mind that's actually an interesting that. thing to talk about too because i have a i have a I have a, a, a journey story about gear too that you guys might. All right. So, so then, yeah, tell, tell us about how, how you learn and then tell us gear. How I learn. Like... I had two ways of learning music. Okay. For the most part, these two approaches work for everything. And I don't know if I have an example of the first one here, but I do have the second one. Let me see if the first one. I make form charts. Um, I might have one in here. If I had my little, maybe I do. Hold on one more second, guys, sorry. Yeah, no, it's all right. I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like such a scrub in this regard because he's like, yeah, look, look at these charts. Look at all this cool, cool drum stuff. And I'm like worrying about breaking. In the back out. pocket of my stick bag, I have a little Star Wars notebook that has form charts for every song that I've ever had to figure out. Um, and a lot, here we go. Let me make sure this isn't going to give anything away. Okay, we're good. <laughs> you see that? Yeah. It's the number of measures and the form of the song. So that's the first thing I do. Because a lot of the times I get a whole bunch of songs I have to learn at once and memorizing them probably isn't going to be the best route. Now, if it's something that's involved, I'll actually, because I can read and write music because of my classical training, I will actually pen out how the song goes. You know, if there's beats that I can't memorize, for example, this song that I'm going to show you guys has a four bar drum beat in it and it's fast and I wasn't catching 
that it was four bars. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to stop tinkering with this. I'm going to draw it out because it's going to be faster for me just to draw it. Mm -hmm. And if I can find it, because I was just looking at it. Oh, here we go. So this is one of the real Mackenzie songs that I had to learn. It's called Best Day to Tomorrow. So I just drew it out in uh, rhythmic notation. You know? So if it's something easy that my brain can handle, I'll just listen to it and I'll put it on repeat. And if I have time, I listen to it when I drum. I listen to it when I'm driving to and from teaching. I listen to it to and from going to jujitsu. Um, right now, because everything's on pause and I had learned all the music I needed for the next year. Right now, I'm just going through everything with a fine tooth comb and dotting it, making sure everything's in the right spot. I'm actually recording everything I need to play next year. So, you know, that's a brutal thing to do to record stuff like that over the track that's there. If you're not 100% playing what's on that record, it sticks out. It's a great learning tool. So I record stuff, transcribe stuff, and I just listen to stuff. When I got the Walls of Jericho call, I knew I didn't have time to learn all that stuff. The first thing I did, put the drumsticks down and I transcribed their entire set. I have a book of music at home that's just Walls of Jericho. <laughs> I learned their set because their music was complicated. And it's fast. And a lot of the stuff was things I had to sit down and figure out how to play. It doesn't happen often. A lot of the times I don't have to figure out how to play things. A lot of the times it's just figuring out what it is and then I can just react to it. But they had some syncopated rhythms that like, I was like, oh, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, two parts that were over the bar line phrasing that just, I was like, what? <laughs> you know, I had to write that down because I, at first, you know, I'm pretty good with odd times and things like that, but I have to see them. I don't hear them and know what they are. I start to transcribe them and then I see the pattern and then I can figure out the meter and, you know, how to compartmentalize it so I can play it. Right. Like I'm a big fan of Tula Mishuga. Those things I can hear, but I can't like just replicate it. I need pen and paper, Pro Tools, take one measure at a time, slow it down, you know? So pen and paper is my friend. Yeah. It's a, it's a head trip, especially you know, because we, I think also when I hear things that are like an odd, odd, uh, odd meter, like I have certain tendencies to like group things and I'm like, oh, that's not, that's not even right. Dude. It's like the same. Yeah. I was like, I gotta write it down. And I've found that like drummers and guitar players phrase things completely different and look at things completely different. Like I came with my book of Walls of Jericho stuff and I was showing the guy what I was playing with the feet to match the guitar part. And he was conceptualizing it a completely different because, you know, it's a different thing. Like, I have to have the meter, and I have to have the cross rhythm going with it underneath it, right? He doesn't have both. So he's just thinking in his own time signature. You know, he's not thinking about 4-4. Four, four. He's like, oh, I play this riff at 3-3 three, three times, and I put a downbeat on it, and it's over. You know, but I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. And I, I've seen that uh, with uh, one of the bands that I play with, he had a, a meter change and I, for, and I conceived, I conceptualized it just like that, play the riff and then play the riff like this. That's it. Easy. But I've seen so many drummers come and go and struggle with it. Cause I'm like, dude, just listen to the riff. But it, like you said, it, it, they think about it so differently, you know, that. Yeah. Drummers also have a unique problem that I'm trying to uncouple myself from where we're married to the pulse, you know, mm -hmm. and you can try this if you want to set a metronome, right? With no downbeat, just and try to make that beep be anything but one. Make it be and, make it be e, make it be a, uh, and try to say one out loud while you're listening to that. <laughs> it's frighteningly difficult, but 
you know, I feel like if I can get that, I can decouple myself from that. And then I could probably start thinking the way or hearing the way a guitar player would hear an odd time phrase. Mm. But um, yeah, it's, it's crazy how many, it's, to me, that's like, that's a reflection of the world. There's so many different ways you can describe something and it's right. Anybody <laughs> else is wrong. Yeah. And I, I tell that, I tell that uh, to my students sometimes, cause they want to know like, well, what's the right thing? What's the right thing? What's the right answer? And I'm like, dude, there I was, one. <laughs> yeah, there's like so many ways to look at this thing and they're all kind of right, you know? So it's, it's, it's a trip. Can you tell us a bit about your gear? I know specifically Dalton know, wants to know about your double okay. bass. <laughs> so I have a pretty large drum set collection. Um, so I'll, I'll pan you over here if you guys want to see. Yeah, so this would is, love to see it. <laughs> this is what I have going on down here at the studio here, okay? I've got three rack toms, three floor toms, one kick, a couple of octobons, and a bunch of different cymbals. Now, for this drum kit in particular, I have three more kick drums, two more toms, and uh, a couple of more snare drums in this finish. So the idea I had when I, I go crazy every couple of years and sell all my gear and start over. So what I did when I sold off all my gear the last time was is I bought one of every size drum in this finish. And I was like, so that way, no matter what I need, I have. <laughs> And that was stupid. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> what I should have done was bought like a kit and then bought a kit with a different, you know, wood, a different construction material and had some different sounds to pull from. That would have been a smarter thing for me. <laughs> but uh, here I am. So to answer the gear question, right? I like having a lot of different bass drums on my kit and I like having a lot of different toms on my kit. And I like to have things spaced out because a lot of my practice day and I'm probably going to get shit about this is musical calisthenics, right? I work on speed, accuracy, and coordination as my daily regimen before I start working on playing musical things. And I know, but you're supposed to play everything musical. Yeah, you are. But, but there's probably rarely ever going to be a musical example for me to start on my floor tom and find a way to work myself all the way around to the left side of my drum kit and then back. You know what I mean? But that's an incredibly difficult task and I enjoy working on it. it makes me happy. You know? And if I can play that, it makes playing 16th notes on the snare drum that much easier. So the way I'm looking at it is kind of like endurance training or um, resistance training. If I can run a mile with a 20 pound vest on, it's gonna be even easier when I take that vest off. So that's why I like a lot of different gear. Also, a lot of the things that I work on, I usually have a lot of different foot pedals on the ground with different tuned bass drums. It helps me hear what I'm playing better. If I'm playing something and it's kind of like not sitting right, sometimes I'll just play it on a higher pitch bass drum and it'll cut better and I can hear it. Sometimes I'll play it on a bass drum without muffling in it and it'll ring longer so I play more laid back. So there's things like that that I like. You know? I also kind of like the idea of being able to make a jazz sound and a metal sound and a rock sound at the same time. So if I have a tuned up, you know, high pitched unmuffled bass drum, a low pitched unmuffled bass drum, and then like a padded kick drum. I have all three of those bass drum sounds right there. I like it. It's fun. It's cool to have two snare drums on a kit. It's nice to have a high bashy clicky one. It's nice to have a low tuned fat 70s one. It's cool. It's nice to be able to change like that without having to go set up other gear. Now that said, I don't think I've played my own personal drums live in 10 years. <laughs> 
rental gear. That's the way it is, you know, backline kits. When I go play with my friends at the bar in Rockville Center, I bring my drums. But I haven't played my drums live on stage, mic'd up in ages, man. I own a kit in Europe that I bought a couple of years ago and left there. I don't know if I'll ever see it again. <laughs> I have no idea where it even is right now. Um, so I guess that's kind of my drum kit. But like, I'm always at the mercy of whatever I rent. And that's just been the way it's, it is. That first tour I did with Rob Balducci, right? That drum kit was a disaster. It was held together with duct tape. None of the stands were adjustable. The hi-hat didn't have a clutch. I ended up spending $40 on a hi-hat clutch because of the exchange rate. <laughs> oh my God. Dollar item, you know? Um, that was a lesson too. Bring things that you know might not be there. Mm. Bring extra snares, bring extra snare straps, bring a hi-hat clutch, bring some cymbal felts. Always bring extra sticks, bring a couple of extra cymbals. If you can, bring another bass drum pedal and a snare drum. Um, but yeah, you're going to be probably playing rental gear if you're on the road. You know? Very few bands have the budget to fly their backline around the world anymore. You know? And rental is so cheap. In Canada, that Mackenzie's run that I was doing, I think they paid $150 for the month for the drum kit. Oh, wow. It's a no-brainer. Had I known that, I wouldn't have bought nice drums. I'd just been like, shit, I'll just rent the good stuff and I'll just practice on the crap. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's it's how it is. You have to make do with what's there. And yeah. I've gotten good at making things work. As I've gotten older, I've gotten better at tuning. I've gotten better at asking for what I know is going to make my job better. Mm. If I don't get what I want, I've gotten better about not throwing shit fit about it. All part of the process. Yeah. And there's, I think, the, something to be said about getting crummy gear and making it sound good or make it like making it work you know especially when you're at yeah. the mercy especially in new york man you know you i never know oh, what amp i'm gonna get atrocious, right <laughs> yeah it's, it's terrible you've you know? seen the meme about the house gear right and it's like i think so uh fire's on fire yeah <laughs> yeah it's uh, can you can you tell us a little bit about your martial arts training and has if has it had any effect on your approach to the instrument or in your music or anything like that? It absolutely has. Becoming a beginner at something, right? Made me so sensitive to things that were, you know, habits of mine that I didn't even realize were habits, right? Um, readdressing the basics on a regular basis is something that we do in jujitsu on the reg. Carry that right over to the drums, man. You know, I'm not even lying to you. There's about four hours of footage on my phone of me just playing one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. I do it every day for two minutes. And then I go back and I listen to it. I'm like, all right, what am I going to do different tomorrow? You know? Readdressing the basics. Things that you think you know, you'll find a new detail in. You'll always find a new detail in a jujitsu move. Carry that over to the drums. Every day that I sit down to practice or I sit down to teach with a new student, I see something in myself that I haven't noticed before that I can, you know, I can make better. And that's been, it's been life altering, you know, because I'm in a learning mindset now all the time. It's been so much better for my mood because I don't feel like I'm doing the same thing. I found a way to enjoy doing repetitive things and I'm making progress and I'm growing and I'm getting better. It's awesome. It's a great feeling. It's the reason I can survive what we're going through right now. Just to be able to sit down and just practice the basics. If I was on the road right now, I wouldn't have that luxury. You know, I'd have to be playing the set and I'd have to be practicing the set. 
and my bad habits might not be getting better. They might be getting worse because I'm hammering in bad habits, you know? So it's been very, very important. Um, also, the jujitsu thing about you never lose, you either win or you learn, like applying that to music too has been fantastic. Is nothing is ever a failure. It's just what it is. So if I could go back in time, I would put myself in martial arts when I was a child. I think uh, if I have kids, man, I'm going to force them to do it whether they want to or not. <laughs> Something that is what it needs to be, and you're going to thank me for this one day. If you drop out when you're an adult, that's fine. But, uh, you know, it helped me. Definitely. My computer just gave me a weird message. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to shut it off. That's all good. Oh, oh, the sound just changed. For better or worse? You have reverb on your voice all of a sudden. Oh, Dalton, how is it on your end? Is it still the same? That sounds No, it's my computer. It must have oh, like yeah. picked something up. Okay. Hopefully it's not too bad. We're, uh... No, it's, it's great. You sound like <laughs> produced. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, especially... I, I was I was very curious about that because you know I know there were a couple of musicians at, at the at the gym, and I was like, man, I wonder if anybody's thinking about this stuff. Um, they all do, dude. And even um, like I was saying about the hardcore scene, uh -huh. hardcore music and jujitsu have kind of fused in a lot of places. Mm. And all those guys that are like, you know, high level jujitsu practitioners, I see, are the thinking musicians. Mm -hmm. I've witnessed that. It's interesting. That's dope, man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and the other thing about it too is like you know learning to use technique i had a different definition of what i thought technique was until a couple of months ago you know and i think that happened from jujitsu a technique for me in music was never a sound it was a movement hmm. but now it's a movement to make a sound so i'm more concentrating on the sound like um i don't know if that's going to make sense to you guys but i, like I only were, think about sound so was that I said, I only think about how it sounds. Yeah. Like, I, like when I play, so. I'm trying to get to that point. I'm trying to stop thinking about the mechanics of it. But at a certain point for drums to cross a certain threshold, I have to be conscious of the mechanics. Of it. Right. Especially with higher tempo things or when things have to be a certain volume. Like there's definitely things I need to think about with stick height and like grip and fulcrum. Otherwise, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt myself. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the question? <laughs> well, hold, hold on. Now, now that we have a stop, I think you've given us so much wisdom. This has been great. Uh, <laughs> wisdom, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, wisdom. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I learned a lot today. Uh, a question I wanted to ask, because now we're into the jujitsu life, and I, I'll have, I'll have to admit, I did a, I don't know if "defend" the right word, but I was talking to Isaac the other day when we were podcast prepping and all that and i jokingly called jujitsu karate and you know, i think through the, zoom, through the zoom call i think he like almost killed me so, but what i wanted to ask with uh jujitsu you're fighting grappling punching um i i have the the nails guitar world and honestly that stuff just frightens the living hell out of me so if you could talk a little bit about when you are punching a dude or grappling like and in the back of your mind you're like dude, sometimes it's a woman sometimes it's liz oh okay a dude, sometimes she's a punching me 
but when you when you do that like what what prevention mentally or physically do you say like all right i can't break a finger or something because i have to play the drums like well the thing is is you have to be smart about who you train with you have to train with people that you trust i enjoy training with guys like isaac who are also musicians because we're all very conscious of each other's small digits you know um you have to i mean for jujitsu, probably more so than karate and things like that, you're going to start getting to know everybody. You're going to start having people know you. You're going to have people that don't want to hurt you. And they're going to like, you know, take a loss or roll lighter because they don't want to hurt you. And those are the people you kind of want to hang with when you're getting ready to perform and getting ready to go out on the road. You know, you stick with those guys because you know, if I get hurt, I'm not going to have three, four weeks to recover. So that's kind of that. When I first started jujitsu, um, you know, the thing with the nails, I'm telling you, if you got into jujitsu, you would find a way to either not have nails and still play the guitar the way you want to, or wrap your hand and not have the nails. I know you're shaking your head, but I promise you, if you did jujitsu and got into it the way everybody who does it gets into it, you would find a way. That's what jujitsu does to you. It makes you find a way. You see guys training with broken limbs, <laughs> you know, that's not a normal thing. We find a way. You can train. What's the saying? If you're not training injured, you're not training. <laughs> You'll find a way to do it. I mean, um, I mean, I had a fractured foot at one point from jujitsu. I still trained. You know, promised my doctor I wouldn't go to the gym and I wouldn't <laughs> run. But you know what I did? I wouldn't no. train because I didn't say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll find a way is what I'm saying. The nails, that's I get awesome. it. Like that, that you need for classical guitar. But, you know, my brother's got one hand, dude. He still trains. If you can train with one hand, you can. <laughs> we're we're going to have to have uh, Dalton put on a gi and, and go do his trial lesson, man. This no. is... <laughs> it's, we told uh, Master, you said karate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I remember uh, I had a like a contusion on my sternum for just from having big ass guys sitting on me all the time and like yeah, for, for, for i got for... my ribs fractured Whew. i think two summers ago you know <laughs> a friend a friend went knee on belly and he was just in the wrong spot you know yeah sometimes and those injuries happen and to answer your question there are guys that we know have a habit of hurting people and you just avoid them when you can't afford to be hurt <laughs> or you just avoid them you know yeah take a pass for the most part, though, Isaac, and I'm sure you can agree with me on this, people don't really get hurt. We watch each other very carefully. When somebody's out of line, they get talked to. You know, it's, it's a community. It's a very close-knit community, and we treat each other with respect. And we, you know, when you're that intimate with somebody, you have to have a level of respect. And yeah, I've seen it can go either way. They can hurt you or you can hurt them. Yeah. And you have to be conscious of both. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Cause it's like, and I've always, I've seen that like on, on the mat, you get on the mat, you can't, you really can't be afford to be a jerk. You know, you're not going to, because gonna that black long. belt is right behind that guy in the next role. And he's going to, you know, he's going to regulate him. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. And, and I think that's what creates such, such a great, like you said, like great community and even just where we train, you know, you can, it's very few people that I can think of that I wouldn't want to roll with. 
but it's yeah. like 98%, you know, 99% that I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to be fine. At this point, most people know I play guitar and that I don't want to hurt my fingers. Right. They all know that I, I tape my things up, you know, so they don't get too sore, you know, that kind of thing. But for the most part, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. The, uh, the positives outweigh the negatives immensely. Mm -hmm. And as far as you being worried about like having repetitive stress injuries or anything like that from, from grappling, you know, you're going to be a little sore at first, but you know, if anything, your grip's going to get better. And I can't imagine that that would hurt your guitar. Player. <laughs> you never a... know. It's just a very, it's light, at least in guitar, not to get nerdy with guitar, but like if you, if you're too tense, then your sound cuts in half. But does strength so... necessarily create tension? Not if you're good. <laughs> no. you go. Not if you're good. Just because you have it doesn't mean you have to use it. Yeah. That's that dude. That's like a sensei <laughs> moment. Holy <laughs> we hit my gong. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, dude. I don't that's... have a gong. <laughs> that's that's the next piece of gear you got to work on, I and mean, you got to have the gong now. Yeah, right. You know what a gong costs? I have no idea. Really? I got this friend Glenn in Baldwin, dude. He's got like eighty thousand dollars worth of gongs. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's that's so awesome, dude. That's that's a uh, that's pretty much the questions that we had, dude. I, and and there was a lot of this, like what like Dalton said, there was a lot of wisdom dropped, dude. And and uh, uh, I hope I didn't babble too much, guys. Oh no, that's it's. I don't. I don't. It wasn't babbling at all, man. It was. All it was right, good. Cool. It was good. Good information, and that's what this is all about. It's you know, podcasts kind of let people, you know, say say what it is that they're thinking, man, and you know, people are listening. I'm gonna help somebody out there for sure. You know. Cool. I'm. Uh, I'm very happy to be a part of this. It's always cool to talk to other musicians, especially when they train, especially when they're gonna start training. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't wait, man. He's a. Uh, He's out in Cali, no man. Taking his trial, I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, he's at, he's he's out in uh in Cali, but when we get him back to New oh, you're York, in California. Yeah, yeah. What part? Uh, Sacramento area. Yeah. It's it's hot, but yeah, but Isaac knows. I'm trying to lower my golf handicap. <laughs> he's <laughs> into, he's as long as you're golf. working on a discipline other than music, I can <laughs> I can give you a pass on that for a while. All right, cool. But the sooner uh, you get into jujitsu, the sooner your life's gonna change for the better. <laughs> We, well, two things. One, we got to – one, thank you. This was awesome. Two – You're very welcome. If, if there's anything, we'll put it in the description of the podcast, your uh, website. I don't know if there's any other things that you, you like to pump up. Like, oh, I have out. an online music lesson business that is pretty much my only source of income right now because the playing is off the table. Plug it. My website is atrocious. I need to get somebody to redo it. It was on the plan for the year. So – you know, that'll get updated, but I have danlamagna.com and there's a lessons button that you can link and it'll send me an email with your info if you would like to learn to play the drums. Um, I teach beginners to advanced. Anything you want to learn, I will try to help you learn. I, uh, if you think I can't play the style that you like, I probably have some practice methods and some strategies that would help you. you know? I know a lot of people are like, oh, please middle and hardcore, you teach me. <laughs> music's music man it's a language and your approach is personal and i think that's what you can instill in you know? there's also tried and true things that i believe every beginning musician should learn you should learn your rudiments you should learn to read and write you know? 
um, you should learn about the different grips. So those are kinds of things that I teach. I teach the fundamentals and I, that came from, you know, jujitsu too. readjust the fundamentals in yourself and then pass them on to somebody else. So I've got the lessons thing. I'm, I really don't have much of an online or social media presence. It never caught on for me. I think it's because I'm old and I'm ugly. <laughs> I'm not an attractive young person anymore. <laughs> you know, I can play circles around a lot of these things, but because, you know, number one, I will not pay for somebody to service my posts. And number two, I'm shot. <laughs> I think that's probably been the reason I haven't gotten an uptick. Where the other thing is, is I'm not that good. And that's why I practice. Maybe one day I'll be that good. Who knows? The, the humility, man. I've, I've, seen, I've seen the videos you put up. It's, it's, it's <laughs> not faith. I promise you. I'm working here every day just trying not to suck. That's awesome, the, bro. The word we use is not be a scrub. Yeah, scrub. There you go. I don't saying. want to be a hack. That's, yeah. what, uh, yeah. that's what my Frank Pellucci teacher over here says. Don't be nice. a hack. <laughs> that's my goal is to not make Frank embarrassed. <laughs> after all these years yeah after all these years i just want frank to to love me <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome man any anything else uh before we where we go play music do jujitsu be nice to each other that's it, that's it. The if you disagree with somebody don't be shitty to them just do what you do and let them do what they do that's awesome bro dude thank you thank you again danny so much for Coming on, taking the time. Bro. Well, I really, I really it was nice it. meeting you, Isaac. Me, appreciate the thanks. conversation. Yeah, well, man. I guess when I uh, when I make my New York uh, return, I guess I'm learning jujitsu. So I'll I'll bring him out to I'll bring him out to the island, man. Uh, get yeah. my uh, get my email address. Send me some links to your classical playing. I'd like to see it. Oh yeah, it's it's weird tuning and tapping and harmonics and. Yeah, I'm sure I'm gonna find something I like about it. I love classical piano. That's like my hobby. Danny, you'll you'll like his playing because he's very percussive about it. Ah, yeah, okay. So he's I the the guitar is a box with strings on it. I don't care who you are or what you do. That's what my instrument is. <laughs> well, at least so. you're not making it too complicated. Nope, it's a box with strings. That's the guitar. <laughs> String box. String box. Yeah. <laughs> Danny Lamania. I, I, you know what he said, La Magna, but I'm like, yeah, I like the La Magna. La Magna, La Magna. Yeah, it's just, it's so much more flair, dude. Um, yeah, man, dude, that was awesome. Was it just me, or maybe because of the jujitsu talk? But I got pumped. Whew. I feel, yeah, I feel like a scrub. That's that's <laughs> what this that's what this podcast is about. It's like, it's like some passive aggression for us to practice and not just us but everybody everybody but but you listen to it and everybody brings their own wisdom sensei approach and you're just like holy shit like i suck I, <laughs> dude like what am i what am i doing i'm like i'm i'm complaining about dead guitar strings i just need to play the damn thing <laughs> you know? yeah man <clears throat> Especially, I mean, you'll see, you know, videos of of Danny playing, man, and and he's he's a he's a beast. And for him to say that so honestly, you know, like I'm just trying not to suck, man. I'm like Jesus Christ, you know. Um, definitely, definitely a way of dialing it back. I guess the jujitsu hasn't 100% worked on me yet. <laughs> it was, you know, but um, it was 
him. It was really interesting. And like you, you know, like you said, everybody brings on their own thing and, you know, just is all about, I mean, he's definitely not your average musician. That's that, certainly that's not. Sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think, I think the coolest thing that he talked about other than playing in festivals with insane amount of people was that in this, what was it? New York core, New York hardcore. hardcore. There we go. Yeah. Hardcore. And then New York hardcore. It's like everyone has each other's backs. I was just like, you know, from going after going to classical music conservatory where everyone pretends to have your back, but everyone like hates you. Right. <laughs> you know, or like, you know, we're all nice, but then you're just like, man, dude, Isaac's a scrub, man. He's playing, you know, he's playing the box chacon, playing that arrangement, like, you know, just like stuff that's so stupid. Right. But like it was just like, yeah, man, dude, it's like jujitsu. We got each other. The hard hardcore, we got each other. The wedding bands, you guys are assholes. I was like, yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> yeah, he just dropped it like just general. <laughs> Nobody in specific. Like you all suck. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's good. Like it almost makes me want to like go buy that electric guitar and like play in a hardcore band. Ooh, wow. Not not that not that that's gonna happen because I would get discouraged very fast. I was like, <laughs> shit, I have no friends in this. Like I but, have to make music friends that are playing a genre that I've no idea what I'm doing. So yeah, and the fact that you that it's crossing your head that means you know that's had he had an he had an impact. You know. Well, you, you you also had the impact of saying, bro, just play an electric guitar for a month. So eh, it might be done one day. You heard it, ladies and gentlemen. You heard it here first. But I just yeah yeah I need I need to get some toys and that the money goes to the green feast right now. I said that once. I'll say it again. <laughs> I want to lower that handicap. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gotta you gotta work on it, man. That's that's uh that's a thing, man. I I wanna, man. The fucking gym is closed, and now I feel like training. It's uh, go golf, golf. Yeah. I'll go mini golfing again. Yeah, go mini golfing. Screw <laughs> real golfing. It's too hard. But <laughs> <laughs> well, mini mini golfing's fun. Oh. But but to to give you an idea, this will be our our lighthearted story before we uh, pump up our tires, pump up the podcast. As far as you you said mini golf yesterday, I can't remember what hole, but there was one where I think it was a par five or like it was like a long hole, but it took me two stroke maybe a long par four. Anyways, not important. It took me two strokes to get close, like to the green, you know, and then I just got this 60 degree, which is a wedge, which like you chip with. Mm -hmm. And then it took me like three to chip it onto the green. It took me like three to put it in. I was like, dude, I just got an eight because like I can't play mini golf, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was just like, I got, I got super close to the green, hit a great drive, like absolutely crushed a five iron and then I, I can't play mini golf so i'm a scrub i need to work on my putting my chipping you got to go mini golfing bro that's what it is yeah that's it work on that focus on that on that the little short the short game the short game that's what it's called the short game yeah 
I'm slowly going to catch on to the terminology. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's common for golfers to lose a lot of strokes in the short game mm-hmm. <clears throat> just because it's like more sensitive and to be, I wouldn't say more precise, but it's not just like, dude, I'm going to crush this golf ball. It's like well, all it is, about it is precise. And, yeah. It, is, it requires precision and control, right? Yeah. Like do you watch a, watch Phil Mickelson videos of Phil. Mm-hmm. He's a, the, like the short game practitioner. Mm-hmm. We're like inside a hundred yards and then even closer. Like he just does like, he's a wizard, man. That's, <laughs> that's what I can say is he's just like insane. He's just like, Oh, well I'm here. And he's like had instances where he's had like a weird hill and he shoots a shot backwards and he gets it like yay close, which I'm holding up like an inch to the cup. And mm-hmm. with me, that would have taken like six tries and him is just one. It was like, <laughs> that's why one of the best golfers of all time so the masters the masters dude that's but but anyways um yeah hopefully everyone has enjoyed not your average musician definitely hopefully definitely yeah hopefully no you you have you have enjoyed this dude i mean it's one especially if you made it this far you're definitely enjoying it and if if you, if you didn't, then you're a scrub because, like, there was a lot of useful information being dropped and you decided to stop listening at yeah. that point. It's like, if you ever wonder, like, why am I such a scrub? And it's like, that's why. It's because you're not listening to the full podcast. Bro, that's exactly why. And um, on that note, listening to what? the podcast and... Sub- subscribe. Yeah, well, I was uh, thinking of something clever to say, but it didn't work out. Oh, Pump us. yeah, Pump us. yeah. Subscribe to Isaac's YouTube channel. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. I got a guitar. Follow us on on Instagram. We all we link it up. We don't have to tell you what it is. Just look in the description. That's way easier than trying to write it down with your pen and paper. Yes. Uh, but subscribe on Spotify hit notifications on on youtube apple podcast follow it we're on everything at this point yeah give give love tell your friends about it i think i'm realizing that's what uh is more valuable is if you liked it like dude tell your friend like i was hanging out with a friend the other day that i haven't seen in forever and his mom said something about oh i like doing listening to podcasts when i'm like doing the dishes or something like that i was like well you got another one (laughs) so yeah tell tell your friends like driving is boring yeah so listen to podcasts when you're driving or like cleaning or dude really anything all of the above anything anytime i have to do like jess asked me like can you do this in the shed the trash anything like that around the house dishes whatever it's ear headphones podcasts that's what that's what goes in driving podcasts you know it's like that's uh that's the way to do it. But especially if you know someone that likes music, that's into playing an instrument in any capacity, you know, like this is going to help them really. And not, not necessarily just because we're dope, which we are, but yeah. the people that we have on, man, it's like, these are like the unsung heroes of the music industry. Like think about who we just had, bro. And the amount of experience and, and uh, you know, his resume is freaking crazy. And, what he brought to the table. I mean, like who, I don't care what instrument you play, you know, you listen to that. That's, that's like a, you know, it's, I don't even know, man. It's, it's, it's crazy. 
And now, now what is he doing? He's practicing. You know he's practicing, right? You know he hung up and he was like, now nah, I'm going to practice for like four hours. Yeah, he probably that in the back of his mind. He's like, when, when are these scrubs going to hang up on me so I can practice? You, what, what did we catch him right when we this started? Like he was waiting for us to log on. Well, he was practicing, bro. He was like, if that had been me, I've been on my phone. You know, just like, oh, almost, but you know, get, although the guitar is right behind me, but doesn't, you know, it's not like I'm going to pick it up. I, could, I couldn't help but notice, but the nylon string is behind you. It is. I have been, I've been trying, man. It's not, it's not good, but I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> These See, two the fingers, bro, there's, I don't know. It's going to take, it's going to take a while. Um, I'll, I'll, get, I'll give you some tips after the podcast because sure. I got, I got some wisdom. Oh man, so um, D- Dalton is trying to show me the secrets of his world, and uh, I'm trying to get in touch with some more uh, Spanish roots. Come on, bro, you you speak Spanish. You need to I, play this stuff. I know, but it's uh, hopefully, man. I mean, the roots is not helping. But yeah, anyway, like, subscribe, just where whatever platform you're on, just show it some love, and uh, <clears throat> tell tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your friends, parents. Tell everyone you know. (laughs) Everybody. Everybody. Even if they don't like music, tell them they're a scrub and they should listen. Yeah. Um, So also what we do for a living, we're music teachers, we're guitar teachers, and that's what pays our bills. And that's what allows us to keep doing this podcast. So if you or anyone you know is interested in taking guitar lessons, find us through our socials, through the links, and, you know, tell us, hey, I don't want to be a scrub anymore. I want to... Leave, leave us a funny DM. Oh, I would love a funny DM. I would be so excited. If like, like, you know, um, you get those fake accounts that send you stuff every now and then. Yeah. It's just like some random, like, girl or like some weird like group chat and they're like hey or it's like it's like some like entrepreneur it's like in invest in bitcoin with my company you're just like <laughs> jesus like but if somebody like slid into the dms and it was just like hey like i saw the podcast you guys are cool and i'm a scrub like what what can, what what's your plan for me like i would be i would be so excited that's going to be our first, the first, if we, when we release a course is going to be the, the anti-scrub that's going to be the, or so, something with scrub, but maybe not the anti-scrub. That sounds like a cleaning product. Um, that's, that's what we are. We're cleaning products. <laughs> oh yeah. This, this isn't about music. It's about getting, getting that, uh, the shine in your life. Um, but yeah, man, I was going to say something, but I forgot. Oh, about I, the DMs. Uh, oh. I would not be opposed to somebody going in there and being like, "Hey, you're a scrub." Um, oh, somebody called us a scrub. I would be down. For, I would think that would, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be funny. That would be funny. So, if you want, if you like calling us a scrub, definitely slide in the DMs, send me an email <laughs> with the subject "You're a scrub," and tell me all about it. Wonderful. Well, I, that's that's all I got. Awesome, man. That's it. That's a podcast. All right. Till next time. Uh